Hello, and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schraw. Hello, and welcome back to the newest episode of Subclass Act. Uh, Before we get into the recap of the story from last time and continue playing, I'd like to turn it over to a listener call-in that I've got, um, and I would like to address that. So take it away, Jeff. Hey, uh, thanks for the podcast. Been listening since day dot. Enjoying experiencing the different setups with you. I wanted to suggest a couple oracles and a rule set. First, Mune, M-U-N-E, and Game Master's Apprentice as lightweight oracles. Next, a small request to try Yield D&D 5th Edition for your rule set. Found it engaging as a solo rule set for my own campaigns. Take care, Jeff. Thanks again, Jeff. I'm glad that you've been enjoying the show. Uh, yeah, so I'll respond to a few things. Um, so first, uh, Mune is a great recommendation. Uh, in fact, after getting your message, I've been practicing with it in my, uh, my personal solo games the past few days, and it's a really great lightweight oracle. Uh, and it is free for those of you in the audience who want to give this a shot. So this is a really great recommendation. Um, it works really well with just uh, mainly D6s, but there's also a D10 for twists. So it's got some of this, some of the ideas that you'll see uh, from Motif and from Mythic as well. Uh, the idea that after a, so, uh, after a certain amount of time, you have these plot twists that come up randomly. And that's really nice. It also fits on a small index card, which is something that I've really liked. It's one of the things I've liked about a lot of these rule systems. Um, like the Offworlders uh, character sheet fits on, a, on an index card. Uh, so does a uh, basic fantasy role-playing game. Uh, on my personal game, I've also been playing with White Box Fantastic er, Fantasy, White Box Fantasy Medieval Adventure game. That's a really good one I recommend as well. It's a small digest size uh, clone of original Dungeons and Dragons, which is very similar to the basic one here, uh, and that one's also really really good. Uh, so yeah, so that's a great Oracle recommendation. I also picked up while they're on sale. Um, I picked up the Game uh, Game Master Apprentice Basic and Fantasy sets. I just need to figure out a way to print them out as cards, but it seems like a really cool approach, and if I can figure out a way to print them out as nice cards, I would love to use that on the show, so I will also um, try to give that one a shot. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll use Mune for this episode and uh, potentially other episodes in the future. As far as the second part, you're actually in luck. I do have plans to do some 5e. I've done some 5e solo myself. Um, I'm not sure if it's gonna be one of the ones in this particular season or not. Um, it, I may wait to the next season, one of the things I found just for me personally, especially when doing the show, uh, is that the 5e rule system for me works better with a solo character as opposed to uh, controlling four different PCs. Um, that might get to be a lot, so what I would do in that situation is I'll probably have um, just one fi- main 5e character and then the rest would just be tracked as NPCs, and that helps just keep it easier for me to track personally. Um, but I do have plans to do some 5e in the future. Um, that's one of my main non-solo campaigns with a uh, play with my friends is a 5e campaign. So uh, I do have plans to do that in the future. 
on to what we're going to do in this episode. Uh, I believe uh, I, I can keep trying out different uh, game systems, especially ones that you uh, the ones that you recommend. Uh, so feel free to give a call in like Jeff here and, and ask for me to try a different Oracle or a different game system. I'm pretty open, um, unless they're extremely expensive. <laughs> Since this is a free show and it's not monetized. Um, so yeah, that's always still an option. I think what I'm going to do for the time being is come at from the opposite angle to give you an opposite idea. Instead of changing the different game systems and, and genre, I'm going to show you how to take a single uh, single game system and morph it to different genres. Now, there's a couple choices I could do. Savage Worlds, which I also have, although I don't know it quite as well. Uh, and that is purpose-built to be a generic system, so that's a really good choice for that sort of a thing. In, in the case for the comparison here, I think the system that I'd like to use is I'd like to go back to using, for this segment, basic fantasy role-playing game. I think a game like uh, Basic Fantasy or uh, White Box uh, fan uh, Fantastic Medieval Adventure game work really well for reskinning because they are simpler rule sets and they it's it's really easy to just add the new flavor uh, in. O other good choices are sm smaller things like Knave or even Maze Rats, which I've also used in non-solo games. Uh, but in this case, I, I really like this, and I think that because we've played this system before, we've already got the character sheets uh, ready to go, that this would be fun. And also, that is the system that I've intended in using when we get back to the um, other space. So for now, unless you request other systems that you want me to play, um, I'm going to use uh, Basic Fantasy again. Um, with uh, To Jeff's point later, I will do some 5e, but for now, we're going to use Basic Fantasy for this, at least while I still have multiple player characters. Now, to that end... They have been able to do some more uh, in the world now, and because we've been moving different uh, different systems and different kinds of experience, I'm going to kind of award a milestone, so I am playing a little loosey-goosey with the experience, but I think that personally that's more applicable maybe in solo games than even... Uh, it's, it's easier to go by the book experience, I think, when you're playing with a group than when you're playing solo, otherwise it does move slower and it takes quite a while. So, because they got some experience, they've gone through some stuff, uh, I'm going to... Uh, level up the characters that were alive, and I'm also going to level up the ones that have come back in one form or another now, uh, because they've kind of been, uh, because of the way they've been, they've been brought back in this supernatural way, um, and also, frankly, it's going to make them just a little bit more survivable, especially for a solo game, and even though I am controlling the four PCs, it does help to make them just a little bit more survivable. Uh, the only other tweak I'm making to the rule to that end is I'm re-rolling on ones on hit dice. Yeah, it was a super bummer before, and apparently Gary Gygax did it too, so, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I read that on the internet, so it must be true. Either way, um, I'm going to add that. I'm also going to add some other rules that I've picked up from other places in the OSR, the biggest one being uh, shields will be broken or sundering shields, whatever you want to call it, and that is if a character is holding a shield and they take damage, they can elect to have the shield break, or I can elect, to have the shield break instead of taking that damage. It, it means that if a character has just one hit point, but they can at least hold a shield, uh, they at least have that one more chance, and that's, that's going to be a big help. So I have leveled them up to level 2. Uh, so the, the three PCs we have right now are level 2, um, so that's going to be Thurston, Joyce now, that Joyce is back, and uh, Aneth. Mechanically, the biggest difference is it just changes the saving throw values a little bit. Um, they get to roll another hit die to add to the health. So the new totals are uh, Aneth has three out of three hit points, because if you remember before, she had just one, which was a bummer. <laughs> um, my recommendation in general for solo playing is uh, not to worry too much about 
being super hard on the HP um, on the first level, just take maximum. You know, some people might say that that's the weak way out, but whatever, it's your game, do what you want. In this case, I'm not going to go back and retroactively do that, but so she'll have three out of three hit points. Uh, Joyce has uh, three out of three hit points as well. Um, and then Thurston has 12 out of 12 hit points uh, now that they're in the state. So basically, it's going to really only change their saving throws. The ability um, optional rule that we're using for um, other, other abilities. The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to add um, any relevant stat modifier to those ability rolls now. Um, I think that just makes a little bit more sense. So if they're doing just a general kind of a strength check and they use the ability uh, score, then you just roll and you add uh, any any strength modifier. Same for any of the other ones. And I think that's also going to help me be ten tempted not to just make you know dump stats and, and dump them into things that don't provide other mechanical values on here. Um, so the, the only other thing there is that now that means that Joyce is going to have another spell slot. And so she will be able to have another spell. To be honest, I don't remember if I rolled for them randomly before. In this case, I'm just going to choose them at this point. I know that uh, Joyce before had shield, so she will continue to know shield, and she will also now know magic missile. Uh, that's something that, that she'll have been sort of granted by these the powers that be that have brought her back. Um, we'll get to learn more about her as we continue to get into play, and as our characters move on to try to figure out whatever they need to do to get the other two members of their party. So we know that they're going to need to travel through the different planes here at some point in order to find their party members in these other realities. The main question is, are they able to go straight there, or are they going to have to do something else for these beings? Um, or are they going to have to, um, you know, are, are they going to have to fight their way back through the city? There was that their big raid at the beginning. Um, that's something that we should ask. So, real quick to kind of give the idea on Mune. Mune is similar to the OSR solo uh, oracle that I used for the last one where it has a yes-no oracle. It has a uh, d6 intervention table. It also has a reaction table, which is really nice. There, There is a morale check in um, in basic fantasy, but this is even more lightweight of, of whatever their their starting disposition is, which is nice. Um, it has hostile, neutral, and friendly. That's a d6. Kind of the way that immune works is there's also um, some points. They're called intervention points that we, uh, that we track. Um, and anytime on a, one of the dice that we roll, especially the d6, anytime we roll a one or a one, uh, it, or sorry, not a one, a six rather, it counts as one of these intervention points. And then when you get to three, you roll on the twists um, where it, everything is not as it seems. And so it can have things like in, uh, increment, a, sing, a simple element, decrement, simple element, add, remove. Has the same thing for a major element, uh, and then it also has. Um, a wild positive and a wild negative, which is just, things are going just completely bonkers crazy, um, comparatively speaking anyway. Um, and so, yeah, normally you just roll a d6 on the yes and no. It has a no and, no, no but, yes but, yes, yes and, which is really nice. I really like those. The ands and the buts really help shape uh, and give dimension to the questions that you're asking. Uh, and so you'll hopefully be able to see that as it's coming up. The other thing that's really nice is you have a, a mechanic that's almost like advantage and disadvantage to deal with likelihood. So instead of having to worry about, like with Mythic, the different levels of something being more or less likely, um, kind of like the OSR one, instead of adding one or subtracting one for the likelihood, in this case, if it's if it's likely, more likely than not, then you roll two dice and you take the higher one. And if it's less likely than not, you roll two dice and take the lower one. And if it's an even likelihood, you just roll one d6 and you just take that. 
I find that really nice and really elegant. This is a really good art oracle to get started with. And like I mentioned before, it is free. You can Google it. Mune, M-U-N-E. And so it's really good. It's got some good advice in there as well. Um, it's, it's several pages as a PDF, but if you take the, the four main tables so that it fits, um, if you write it down onto a index card, like I said, especially if you have small handwriting like me. Okay, let's go ahead and get back into the action. So last time, they were able to retrieve Joyce by uh, going through these trials with these, whatever kind of creatures these they are that are, are talking to them underneath in this, in this kind of worm temple, this hidden worm desert people temple on this planet. And now, now that she's back, she's rejoined them. They, they know that they must continue. So the biggest question I think we need to ask is, are, the, uh, are these beings going to require something else of them? They obviously seem to be somewhat invested in there's something bigger at play than just the fate of Treemonster. Otherwise, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, wouldn't make sense for them to care about some other reality, one city and another reality. So there's obviously something else bigger at play here than I think just even that they were aware of at the beginning in that city. But it seems likely that they also will require something else uh, in exchange for bringing uh, or holding this version of Joyce or bringing Joyce back in this way. So I'm going to say it's more likely than not, so I'm going to roll two, 2d6 for this. I'm going to start out with no intervention points, um, and we're going to see, do they require more of the party? Okay, so the higher one is a 6, um, and I said it was more likely than not. So it's going to be a yes and, which is going to be interesting. We'll figure out what the and is in a second. And then because there was a six, there's an intervention point that we write down. All right. So now we need to figure out what is it that they are requiring of them. So uh, one of the things that this kind of table doesn't have is, uh, or Mune doesn't have, is the more the inspiration oracles. You can write down uh, the different uh, tables like we talked about last time, make custom tables. You could also use the ones from Mythic, which work really well. You can also do the other approach I've talked about before, where you ask a, you know, you pick two branches, basically two kinds of things, ask a yes or no question. If it's not the one, then it's the other. Um, in this case, I want it to be, I have less of an idea. It's more of a complex question here. So I'm going to pull out that custom table that I made for last time that has genre appropriate uh, stuff for this one. Okay, the first element on the first one, d6, that is a 1 and a 6, so that's an armory, and then we'll roll for the other side, it's a 1 and a 3, so allies. I think that I've actually had that result before, so I want to roll that again. I'm just going to do both of those again. Okay, 6 and 3, defense, that certainly makes sense. What do they have to defend? It's a three and a six. Defend peace. Okay, I think that could mean that they they want to defend the peace of this planet, and therefore they want to get rid of the Evolve Corporation. That seems like one option. So uh, maybe they want to help uh, mount a resistance. So it, it's kind of peace through war. I guess that doesn't really make sense. It's just the idea that the peace of this land um, that they're that they are accustomed to and now that there's this this outside force coming in and disturbing that peace so peace in that sense um, so that that's one option the other one p potentially is to just defend um, somebody who is sort of an arbiter of this peace maybe there's maybe this is more of an extraction thing and bring them into this temple and restore uh, peace that way and have them fight against the uh, the corporation that way so I guess it's it's a matter of do we do they, we stage kind of a revolt or get things started that way or are we bringing uh, somebody else back? Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards bringing somebody else back. That seems kind of cool um, in, in 
like staging the the coup against this corporation here. So we're gonna do one of those uh, forked path kind of ideas. So I'm gonna roll. Um, I'm gonna say this is more likely than not. So, um, but if it's if it's not, then it's the other one. We'll stage a coup. So are they specifically trying to retrieve some arbiter of of peace here? That's a five and a one. So a five is a yes. So uh, we had a yes and before, so they're, they're gonna require something of us and it's gonna be um, something that they have to do before it, it's here and it's something they have to do before they can move on. Um, in this case, this one's just a yes. So they, they do have to re return some sort of arbiter of the peace. Somebody uh, that they, they, they explain it to the party that, that this is what, kind of what needs to happen. I, I don't think they use words in this case. I think they, they kind of put this impression in the party's mind as they kind of snap out of it and they're now back in the room uh, standing there with Shale, Forrest, and Corbin uh, each each of which which look at the at the party and, and say what was that about like where where were you it just seemed like for one moment you were you were there and another minute you were gone um, and then I think Aneth asks how long did it seem for you well, it was just a moment or two. You kind of just blinked. Um, Aneth looks confused. Um, Joyce helps explain a little bit more, and Joyce says, I believe I understand that the, the beings that, that existed here, they exist somewhat outside of space and time. So for what seems like at least several minutes for us, or, or quite a while for us, I'm not sure how long you were there, but for them it would have only been minutes. Uh, this seems to make total sense to Joyce. Um, I, I think Thurston's not worried too much about it. It definitely confuses Aneth, but it's not worth making a, such a big fuss over. Um, and then Joyce uh, looks to uh, to the rest of them and looks. Does does anybody notice? Uh, does anybody know anything about? Um, we're supposed to retrieve some sort of a like a keeper keeper of the peace. She says that states it a couple ways, and eventually Shale, who's the native of this planet, catches on. And he says, Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. There was a... You see... My people that have existed here for a while are, are in different kind of tribes, but we, we're united in, in a sense. And, and there's one head over all the tribes, and he maintains the peace and keeps the peace um, with the planet, with the worms uh, that that infest this desert. Uh, I believe this is what you mean. And, and, and now that the... Evolve Corporation is coming in and trying to take more direct control over the planet. Um, it seems, well, nobody's seen uh, this, the Peacekeeper for, for quite a while. Um, but he, the last he was seen was in the city. And then Aneth says, that's where we came from before. We could head back there. And then Shale looks, uh, seems like it's going to be pretty dangerous. And For Forrest and Corbin kind of both nod and and, and they look at each other, and Corbin says, Yeah, it's going to be a little bit rough getting back there. Um, we, we don't really go into the city very much anymore to begin with, but even, even, you know, even off a ways, we could tell what happened over there. Uh, the planet itself you know, seemed to shake after a while with, the, with all of the, the craziness going on there. And then um, Thurston says, Nevertheless, I think we need to, we need to head back. We need to. We need to get there. Maybe it's best we can. Maybe we can sneak in under under the cover of darkness. Maybe we can um, find a find a way in, and we need to we need to find our way around and see if we can find this peacekeeper. And 
Well, and then what do we do? And Joy says, I, I think that the beings want us to bring them back here. I'm not certain why. Shale picks up on this again and says, Oh, well, you see, this temple here, this temple is central. It's one of the, it's one of the central ones, the most important ones. Um, I, I no longer think it was a coincidence that we managed to stumble upon it um, as, as the worm was chasing us. I, I believe that this is, this is the, the guiding way of, of the forces that control this planet, the ancient forces of my people. This, this temple is the one that, that unites us, and, and some of the main, main rituals are based here um, that would, uh, once uh, every cycle would be used to unite the, unite the tribes, and everybody would gather, and it would also appease the worm somehow. But the, the knowledge of exactly how that is is really only known to the, the, the peacekeeper. Aneth says, looks and says, Well, I think we should get moving then. Well, I mean, the more that we wait here, the longer that we wait here, the, the, the worse it's going to be for us. I think we just need to hit the road. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think we just need to get going. Corbin says, All right, well, if that's what you think is best. To be honest, I actually don't know what time of day it is anymore down here. It's, it's hard to tell. Just, under, you know, with a torchlight. Well, let's move back to the entrance then, and, and if we have to wait for nightfall, we can wait for nightfall. I don't feel the worm coming. Is there, is there any way of knowing? And Shale says, if there's a worm coming, we'll know. What makes you say that? Can you can you hear it? Like, well, because we we won't be making it anymore if the if the worm's coming. Um, it would just be too too fast for us. So they head back to the entrance. Uh, and they head back to the hatch, back through the rooms that they came through. Um, one other thing we'll need to take care of real quick is the, the kind of equipment difference, and this just shows how to reskin it. So we are in this kind of sci-fi world. Um, Aneth really only had uh, daggers anyway. Um, the biggest difference one he, uh, here is that Thurston had uh, like a laser pistol. He's still going to have that item, but we're just going to reskin it. Uh, basically, we're just going to reskin a crossbow. So we're just going to grab the damage that a crossbow would do. And in basic fantasy... A crossbow does 1d6 damage. Uh, it's actually the bolts that do the damage. Uh, normally I would track ammunition, but in this case because it's lasers, we're not really going to track that. But we will track it in other settings particularly, um, but in this case because it's a laser, it's not really going to run out, I don't think. At least not in this more pulpy kind of version of sci-fi. So they head back to the entrance. Um, I guess we need to know, uh, is it is it daytime? Like, what, what time of day is it? Um, we'll say, is, is it nighttime already? Uh, even odds, yes or no? That's a four, which is yes, but. So it is already night, but uh, it, I think that we can see daybreak is coming. Um, so they are forced to make a decision on, on should they leave now or should they wait a whole nother day um, and recuperate in order to make sure that they get uh, night at the beginning. They talk amongst themselves a bit, and Joyce um, says, Well, I know, that our, I know that our mission is urgent, but we I don't think that we can afford going through just in the middle in the middle of the daytime uh, I, we would I, we would surely be spotted uh, if, if not from the sky something something would definitely spot us uh, unless anybody knows another way to, to get through uh, and that's a good question does uh, either mainly shale forest or Corbin do do they know a way that they can get back into the city that way during the day without being spotted I think if anybody were to know it would be them 
Um, but I think it's about even odds on whether or not such a thing exists, so we'll ask. Uh, that's a one. No and. Um, so uh, I, I think in this case that means it's just that's the worst case scenario. Like, no and. Um, the other thing is that uh, uh, Corbin or, or Shale tells them that actually during the day, um, especially during the the break of day like this is when the worms are most active, and so it is it is extremely ill-advised to go during the middle of the day like this. Well, then I, I think we'll just have to... We'll have to spend one more night here, get ourselves prepared, and head in the morning. I think they do just that. Uh, I also think that this uh, temple, because it's been sealed up for so long, is a relatively safe place. The traps, uh, potential traps, were more of a threat before. In this case, uh, now that they're just kind of camping out by the entrance, I think it should be safe. Uh, so they wait until uh, nightfall comes. They open up the hatch again, and they make a break for the dunes. Uh, I think we can hand wave a little bit of time as they, they trek back kind of the way they came. The biggest thing we need to know is, do they run into the thing, anything? Do they encounter anything during the night? I think that's fairly even odds. Um, we could go back to um, the basic fantasy, the way that we do the basic fantasy encounters, and say it's just on a, on a one to six. Uh, and, and really, it's just kind of whatever likelihood we, we want. Um, in this case, I, I think we can do a few things. We can It could be an enemy encounter, but it could be other kinds of encounters. Maybe they see... Uh, people, they see something. In this case, I, I think we should just um, continue just using Mune for the moment. Okay, so even odds. Do they encounter anything, any sort of anything on the way back into the city? That's a three, so that's a no but. Uh, so they don't encounter anything on the, on the way back to the city, but it does it does still take them a bit of time. There's definitely like a no and might have for instance been that they don't see anything and it's weird because there's everything so still. In this case, it's a no but. So no, they don't encounter anybody on the on the way back or any other creatures on the way back. But they're definitely seeing activity in the city. There's definitely some sort of a presence, and so the closer they get, the 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 harder it's going to be to sneak around. I think they need to look for something. They need to look for some sort of a building. So they head towards the city and. Um, there's patrols going all over. Um, I, I think it's, there's probably there's got to be some somewhere to, for them uh, somewhere for them to hide. Maybe is there some sort of something on the periphery, like a, a shady looking um, ramshackle building that they can get to? Um, I'm gonna uh, ask the oracle that. Uh, it says no and so no. There's not there's no sort of like ramshackle building on this side. And what could the and be? Um, oh I, yeah, I think so. There's a ramshackle building on this side and. Uh, there's actually there are some some guards headed this way. There's there's at least one guard that's headed this way, um, it, you know, headed right towards them. They need to find somewhere that they can hide. They may they may have to uh, try to hide in the sand. Um, I think they've got just a moment or two to act. I need to know if there's if there's one guard or multiple guards. I'm gonna say it's less likely just because I'm trying to be a little bit easy on myself. We already had an almost total party kill once, right? We don't need to do it again. So is there more than one guard? Less likely. It's a five and a three, so the, the lower one's three, so no but. So there's there isn't there's there's only just the one guard, but he does seem decently armed. Um, and he's coming kind of coming this way with his flashlight. Okay. So the first things first, I think Aneth is gonna try to um, hide in the shadows. Uh, so um, this is going back into the thieves skills. We're <laughs> rolling stuff that's not D6s now. We're getting back into basic fantasy here. So um, 
the way that a lot of these games work generally, uh, if you're playing with other people with these roles, is that the GM would make these roles in secret usually, so that the player doesn't know if they've been successful or not at hiding, and seeing how that pans out. In this case, I'm obviously going to know, but Aneth won't necessarily know if she's been successful or not. She jumps down and tries to bury the, put the sand over herself, get herself ready, and she draws her dagger uh, to be ready for, for anything. Um, so she's going to try to hide. Um, she has new stats for her thief skills because she's level 2 now. So now her hide skill has a 15% chance of success. So uh, these use percentile dice. Um, so I'm going to roll the percentile dice, and, and if it's 15 or lower, then she is successful at hiding completely. Uh, so that's a 1. So yeah, she's able to completely hide herself uh, out of the sand. The guard is not is definitely not going to be able to see her unless he's uh, looking straight for her. This leads to one of the classic questions is how do I handle the others hiding, um, wanting to make sure that the in in this case the you know respecting the abilities of the thief, um, not making it too likely. So using those the ability checks in this case is probably not a good idea because their their ability bases right now, for instance, are 16. So they need to roll a 16 or higher, uh, adding whatever stat in this case probably dex. But even even the base 16. That, that's that's a higher percent chance than uh, even Aneth has. So it, uh, in this case, I think lower than the uh, a trained thief's um, uh, base stat, which it would be 10 in their first level, is 10 for hide. So I'm going to give them a 5% chance. In other words, in order for them to hide completely, it doesn't mean they can't hide partially, in order for them to hide completely, they need to roll a natural 20. So Thurston does not is not able to hide himself completely. Uh, and neither is Joyce. Um, they were decently high rolls, though, so they may be able to, to partially obscure themselves. Um, Shale, Forrest, and Corbin kind of break off at the edges. Uh, so it, it, if the guard keeps coming this way, they may, they may end, up, end up getting into a fight, um, and he may be able to discover the party, um, but he will not be able to discover Aneth, who would have an immense ad advantage. Um, so we'll have to play that out. Uh, does the guard keep, gumming, uh, keep coming and, and trying to investigate? He's on his normal route. Um, and so far he hasn't seen anything, so um, even odds, I, I guess, uh, does he keep coming this way? It's a one. No. And he, he gets called back. Um, one of the guards calls, calls him back, and he starts to head back to, um, to his route. So something has taken him away in the other direction, which is a, a big stroke of luck for the party here. Um, so they, they sit there and they wait there for a time. And then he clears off, and I think now is their chance. Now they can. Uh, we said there's no there's no like ramshackle building here, but they can at least get closer. Um, so they're trying to move up to the edge of the city. So they, they head up and take the take the edge. The the guard has started to run in the opposite direction now, so they have a clear shot. So they move quickly through through this kind of sandy soil, which fortunately masks their steps and keeps them a, a little bit on the quieter side. They work their way up to the city, and in and, and these big buildings, and they, there's just rubble everywhere. The devastation from the battle earlier is very obvious, and you can just see the and smell even the soot just everywhere. There's all various of these of these cars, these like hovering cars and speeders and things have just been blown up. There's big pock marks in the ground as the as the bombardment from above has taken chunks of the street out. Um, there's bits of buildings missing. There's probably even few a few fires still smoldering uh, from from the from the wreckage from before. So now that now that they're at the edge of the city, they need to find they need to find somebody or something, some way of hiding themselves, but also connecting themselves 
uh, with this with this area. So there's probably some sort of a, a building nearby or a person so um, that, that they can they can go to. So I'm gonna ask if it's a build if it's some sort of a recognizable building that they think would be worth investigating or if somebody comes up to them. So it's gonna be one of these paths. So is it a building, uh, some sort of a building that they that they think even odds? No and. Uh, so no, they don't see they don't see any sort of building that would stand out, um, and I, I think it's it's because there's just nothing here that or at least they can see it may be hidden from them, but so uh, somebody comes up to them uh, and asks I think I think somebody surprises them and draws a dagger on them and says um, uh, and, and grabs one of them probably a um, Joyce here and just says what is it you're doing what brings you here. Answer quickly, but answer correctly the first time. There's no mistakes here. And Joyce says, We're looking for the keeper of the peace. We wish to restore him to his rightful place. She's taking a big chance here, because it could be somebody from the Evolve Corporation, but she's just got to take her chance here, because nobody can see this, this figure as it's happened so quickly. But she's released. And somebody looks at at Joyce, and um, there's there's somebody wearing like a like a longer kind of like like longer cloaked clothes. He's got this dagger. His face is obscured, and he says, "Then quickly, follow me this way." And you see, there's one of these buildings that looks completely torn up. Um, he heads he he starts to head to his room, and everybody's gonna just have to follow him. They have no choice really. Just gonna have to follow this strange person. They go through this this rubble of looks like it could have been, it could have been anything. Just just so it could have been a deli, it could have been a library. Who knows what it was? Um, it's certainly not anything like that now. Maybe it was like a grocery store. But as they kind of step through the rubble, rubble the person that's in this cloaked hood weaves and bobs through the various bits of rugged. He, he he knows the way well and he's quick about it. He's swift. They they manage to follow uh, follow through, and at some point. It's it's almost like a forest, really, of metal here, and in in this in this building. And at some point, he continues through and uh, and makes a, a turn, an unexpected turn, and you you can't really hardly find. You have to know it was there um, through uh, specific pieces of luggage. And then there's the building itself opens up. And on the inside, you see that there is a, a lit area in here where there's all kinds of people. There's people receiving medical attention. There's supplies. There's food. There's obviously people holed up in here. Um, and this is, must be some sort of a, like a resistance, um, some sort of a resistance hub. So I, they're going to have to convince, convince those here that, uh, to, to aid them, to help them find, uh, who they're looking for. And as the space opens up, they're overwhelmed. Um, and, uh, they start going up and, and talking to people that the, their kind of chaperone that brings them is, is going to bring them, I think, to somebody or to somebody's, um, maybe it's like a council of some sort, or maybe it's an individual who's some sort of a leader. Maybe it's even uh, the keeper of the peace that we're looking for. First, I want to know, is it like a group of people? Even odds? Two. So, no, it's not a group of people. It is an individual person. Uh, and then the bigger question is, is it this keeper of the peace they're looking for? For the for dramatic sake, I'm going to say this is less likely. It's possible that it is, um, and maybe there's just, you know, again, something I need to do, some other quest uh, that will keep it going. Um, so let's ask, is it, uh, um, I'm going to say it's less likely, so I'm going to roll two dice, is it the person that they're looking for? Okay, the higher one is a six, so for one, we're going to increase our points, 
our intervention points, we have two. So the next time we get a six of some sort on any of the dice, we're going to have some sort of a twist. Um, for now, we've just got the two points. So it is the person, or I said it's less likely, sorry. So that ends up being a one. It's a no and. Um, so uh, it's an individual person, so it's not the person they're looking for. Um, and uh, in, in fact, they, they say, uh, the, the, the person who led them in here says, these folks here said they're looking for the keeper of the peace. It's something about restoring them to their rightful place. And the other, the other kind of figure who's wearing similar clothes but with the hood down, um, uh, she says, Ah, interesting. Interesting that you've showed up now. And then Anna says, Well, do you at least know where this uh, Keeper of the Peace is? Uh, we've really got a lot else to do, and so we, we need to do this as quickly as possible. I understand that. Um, you believe it or not, we have things to do here too. And she and she points around. Aneth kind of feels bad now because, uh, in in her haste to try to get uh, Warder and Iris back as well from these different realities, uh, she's forgotten that there are real people that live here and and they're having real struggles right now. Really, not all that different from from the struggles in Treyminster. Then they've got to probably be connected in some way. That the original invasion of orcs and the invasion of the Evolve Corporation, it must be related in some way. She she starts to feel bad, and uh, whatever figure this kid notices and says, "Now the other thing is, we don't know where the keeper of the piece is. He he was here, but he he's gone out." Now here's what I want to I want to know is what did he go out to do? So I'm gonna roll on my own again my own dungeon table just as inspiration table. Uh, so that's two d six on my own table. Uh, so the first part is six three, which is defense again, and then three five, defense war. I'm gonna roll that. I'm gonna roll that second one again, um, because I think it's just it's too similar to what I just got, which was defend peace or defense peace. Um, I'm not sure what the results are, so I'm just gonna re-roll it. The first one is three two, uh, so that is crucible, and the second one. Four one, uh, sand. Okay, so yeah, I think um, I think in this case they say uh, he's he's gone out. He 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 insisted that he has to go out into the desert, uh, despite the worms being out there, despite all of the danger. He he needs to take some sort of sojourn. It said something about reconnecting with the planet and whatever whatever that's about. Um, Shale kind of gives kind of a nod, but Forrest and Corbin and, and pretty much everybody else looks. Um, kind of, kind of shocked by this, like, just like, oh man, I can't believe that he would do that kind of a look. Um, but Shale kind of knows what's up, and um, so, uh, which which way did which way did you see him go? Uh, asks uh, Thurston. Well, and, and you know what? I'm gonna roll actually to see. It's not the way that they came. Um, in my imagination, I'm not sure which way they came. We'll just say that they came from the south. So they've got three other directions, so I'm going to roll the d6, and we're just going to uh, count them. So east is going to be uh, one and two, north is going to be three and four, and five and six is going to be uh, west. So got a five, so that's going to be to the west. Um, so he said something about going west and follow, following, uh, following the setting sun. Um, and that he needed to take the sojourn following the setting sun and experiencing the night of the desert. And then Joyce kind of looks around and says, 
more bold than she used to be. She used to be quite quiet, but in this case, I think she's found a new a newfound confidence that she's um, back, and it, it's undoubtedly some sort of effect as well of um, of the of the beings here. So, uh, she she looks around and says, "Well, I think I think we should be off then." Uh, do you know of a way out of here? We can uh, a better way out of here that we can get out of here without being spotted. Um, I think that's somewhat likely, so I'm going to ask and see if, if they do know a better way out here. So that's a two. Uh, no, so they don't they don't know a way out of here. They, sh they just say, um, there's no shortcuts. There's no magical way out of here. The only way is to just use your wits and keep everything about you. You're just going to have to time it right. Do we just Do we just go back the way that we came then? Yeah. Just go back the way you came. Don't tell anybody, obviously, that we're that we're back here. Not that you, they'd be able to find their way back anyway. Um, so, do what you have to do. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what your mission is, but you seem sincere enough anyway. So, go quickly and come back. As long as we can get him back, that's the most important thing. Aneth looks at his eye. So they... they 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 just start heading out. They head back. Uh, they go back through the convoluted way that they came in, and they find their way back on the streets. Uh, the guards are still walking their paths, um, walking around with their, their routes with the flashlight. They're going to have to make a break at this point for the edge of the desert. Um, so I think we need to know: uh, Are there any guards currently in the way, uh, or they can can they make a break for it? Uh, even odds. Uh, three. No, there's no guards currently in the way, but um, they can see, uh, you know, there's no guards currently right there, but they can see and hear that there are guards around. There's just not one in the way, so I think they just they make a break for it. Um, here's, the, here's the real question is, so as they're running across the uh, this edge of the city, uh, do they encounter any, any of the guards uh, along the way? Again, I think even odds here. Uh, yeah, it says yes, so we got a yes. Um, and I'm going to roll in this case for, I think, we're just going to go with um, uh, 1d6 guards, I guess. So that's a four. So we've got the party, and we've got the uh, three NPCs, which um, we're going to just end up using probably just plain human stats from the, um, the bestiary section. Um, so I'll make sure to copy that down. But yeah, it looks like we're going to end up getting into some combat here. I think for the sake of simplicity, since pretty much all the NPCs would be uh, the fighter class anyways, uh, the fighter uh, fighters in this game have a d8 hit die, so I'm gonna pull out um, We'll keep it maybe even a little bit above average. I'm actually just gonna pull out some d6s I'm just gonna give them all six health including the NPCs on on the party side And we're just gonna track them health that way and I'll use that to track the health Okay, so first things first. I'm gonna roll initiative. Uh, I think uh, I can see that if I was going back and doing this all over again and I had just one PC, I would probably do individual initiative, but I'm going to stick with group initiative because for the podcast and for having larger groups like this, it just moves way faster. So I've got the one die here for the party and one die here for the other side, and we'll see what the initiative looks like. So it looks like the guards go first. Um, so we'll first see uh, you know, where various people are. So the guards are coming up and um, they are gonna be armed, uh, presumably with some sort of a weapon. We'll just say it's a D6, um, a sort of a D6 weapon. We'll just keep it fast and, and moving that way. Um, first, we need to know, uh, are they attacking uh, one of the party, regular party members or one of the NPCs? So um, 
on odds it'll be the party, and evens it'll be the NPCs. So six, so they attack one of the NPCs. Uh, so there's four four guards, each of them is gonna go, so they're gonna roll. Um, so we need to know what their AC is gonna be for the, for the party here. For the case of it being simple, we'll give them AC similar to our fighter, which is a 14, that's for Thurston. So we'll give them similar AC, so 14. Uh, for our party, same for the guards. We'll keep it again. Keep it real simple. So the first guard attacks one of the NPCs. They miss. Um, the next one, we're gonna see if the same thing. Do they attack the NPCs? Yep, they do. Uh, 14 or higher. Nope, that's a miss. NPCs. Yeah, wow, another even. Jeez. The attacking the NPCs. That's a 19. So that was gonna hit one of them. I'll roll to see which one it is. Uh, four. So that would line up as being. Uh, forest. So Forest is going to take some sort of damage from one of these guards. So uh, we're going to roll a d6 damage die. So forest takes three damage. As the, the guard rushes up, uh, as the other guards have, have started swinging and missing, this one connects uh, probably with some sort of like a, um, uh, what, like whatever we said is a, a going to be some sort of a d6 weapon. So it comes it comes up and bashes them. All right. Uh, Next, so uh, there's uh, one more guard that hasn't gone. Six, wow, geez, they attack the NPCs again. This is the last guard. That's a 15, so that's going to hit. And who are they hitting? Six, that'd be Corbin. So they're taking a smack of Corbin, and how much damage? Two. So Corbin takes two damage as one of the, uh, the, the fourth guard uh, clobbers him. So now the guards are all focused around the three NPC members of the party. Uh, so now that it's time for uh, the party to go, I think they're going to come around. So um, uh, Aneth would definitely be be sneaking around uh, as, as the guards have rushed up. So she sneaks around and is going to take a stab at one of them. Uh, it's going to be a sneak attack behind one of the guards. Um, so on a sneak attack, uh, she gets plus four to the roll for the attack bonus to, like, to hit, and then it does double damage, which is awesome. So Aneth is going to come up and try to stab one of these guards in the back. So, let's roll. They have an AC of 14. That's an 18, so that with the plus four attack, that definitely, definitely hits, and it's gonna be double damage. Um, so, her damage is with, uh, she had a short, short sword before, a dagger. We're gonna, we're gonna just go with the dagger. It was kind of, it was, a, I think a dagger is a D4, a short sword's a D6, but it was like a laser dagger, so we'll keep it as the D6. Keep it simple. Okay, so Forrest, does eight damage, so she comes up, stabs one of the guards right in the back, um, and he falls over instantly dead. Uh, next up is Thurston, who's going to come around uh, again from the side in order to try to take a, a swing with his sword um, at one of the um, at one of the guards. We're going to use his, uh, he had a scimitar, um, and again, he had some sort of like a, a beam sword, so we're going to keep the stats the same, just for the sake of simplicity, what he had before us, we'll keep the scimitar, which is D8 damage. Um, he's going to come to take a swing again at one of these guards. They have an AC of uh, 14, and he has an attack bonus of plus 2 in general. So that's a 13, plus 2, 15, so it hits. So he hits the guard for a D8 damage. 7, yeah, so he comes up and he just cleaves uh, the, the neck area of this guard and just chops him straight down. Um, so the guards have lost half of their number um, right off the bat. Uh, so I, I, it, we need to make some sort of a morale roll or a, a reaction roll. Um, I don't have, I can't seem to find a stat for the NPCs that way. Um, so I'd put them in the middle of the road. It's a 2d6. So we'll, we'll say that they have a morale of, well, I'll just set an arbitrary one of nine. 
So I'm going to roll 2d6, and if they uh, get um, a 9 or lower, it doesn't really matter in this case. I'm going to say if, if they um, roll if they roll higher than that, then they will flee. I think is how that works. So in order to flee, they need to roll higher than a 9. Uh, nope, that's a 7, so they're going to stand and fight. Uh, so they, they are shaken, though, as, as their comrades fall, but they feel they have nowhere to, to run, uh, nowhere to go now. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is kind of what we're left with. We're going to roll uh, the next round of initiative, I guess. Or actually, you know what? The NPCs haven't done any attacking back yet. Um, so they're going to go ahead and do that. Each of them is going to attack one of the guards that's directly in front of them. Um, we'll give them their their uh, attack bonus will just be zero because they're an NPC. Uh, so the guards have an AC of 14. Ooh, that's a 20. Um, I don't remember what the basic fantasy rules for nat uh, for um, for 20s are, but in this case, I'm just going to add. Um, you could add damage. You could double damage. Um, double damage is kind of not as good because it, it makes the sneak attack less. So what I'm going to do basically is it's just going to add plus one to whatever whatever they hit. Um, for the critical hits to keep the sneak attacks cool for uh, for NF. So yeah, so it's critical hit on the one, and that is a D6 we said for their weapons. So he's gonna attack. That's a three, so just four damage, so he takes a, a, a pretty hefty shot. So that's gonna be Shale. It's a pretty hefty shot of one of the guards. Uh, next up is gonna be Forrest. Gonna try to hit the same guard. Uh, but he misses, and then uh, Corbin is gonna try to attack the other guard. That's an 18, so he hits for sure for uh, D6 damage. That's a one. So he gets a, a small blow in, but it's not enough to, to fully shake him. These guards are completely surrounded now as well um, by the party. Um, the only person who hasn't acted yet so far is Joyce, um, who has um, some spell slots, but I think she's going to hold on to them for now. Um, Got to look at her items that she had before. She had some daggers before. Um, so I say she has a plain non-laser knife um, with, her, with her now as well. So she's going to go try to... Um, uh, stab, I think, one of these um, uh, other guards, and then and then try to try to back away. So she tries to stab one of the guards. She has a plus uh, plus one attack bonus. That's a sixty. Yeah, so that that's actually seventeen with the bonus that does hit for a D four damage, and it's on the the guard with four health remaining. She does two damage, so she gets a, a pretty good. Um, pretty good stab in there, uh, and then backs away uh, just a, a little bit, but she's right behind the guard. Uh, yeah, so that's everybody has acted this round, so now to roll the next round of initiative. Okay, the party goes second again this time. Uh, so we need to know who the, good, the guards are going to attack. Do they attack an NPC or one of the party members? Uh, even, I don't remember what it was before, so we'll just say odds are the party, evens are the NPCs. Okay, odd. They try to attack one of the party members. So I think the obvious one here uh, is that the, the guard that was um, uh, gonna uh, that was just attacked, just stabbed by Joyce, is going to turn around and try to attack either Joyce or Thurston, who's also standing there. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll say if it's even, it's Joyce. If it's odd, it's Thurston. Okay, it's e uh, even, so it's Joyce. Uh, so it tries to hit. Uh, Joyce has a, an AC of 10. Uh, so this could potentially be pretty bad. She probably should not have stabbed and uh, but she does have shield or she has the shield spell, I guess. She should have used probably. Uh, she doesn't look like she has a shield or anything that can be broken to, that would potentially save her from anything. Um, either way, so the roll. That's an 11 that is a hit. 
d6 damage. Could we potentially lose Joyce here? Two. No, it's a it's a it's a hearty blow. Um, she will have learned her lesson for sure uh, to to stay back because um, she can't just can't take as many hits. So she takes a a, a pretty pretty hefty blow, but um, manages to, uh, to to suffer through it. Uh, next up then is uh, the other guard. He's going to attack an NPC, or that's um, yeah, even, so he's going to attack an NPC. We'll see which one. Uh, that ends up being Corbin. So now the roll. Six, that is a miss. Now it is the party. Um, so Aneth is still um, behind the, the one guard. I'm not sure really that it's a sneak attack at this point anymore because he knows that she's back there. He's just facing the other way. So this won't be a sneak attack, but she'll still try to um, she'll still try to stab him. Uh, so let's see. Here comes the roll. 11 uh, plus her attack bonus of one is not gonna be enough. So she goes to try to take a stab, but, but misses. Uh, all right. So next up, uh, Thurston is going to try to, he gets in between the guard that attacked, uh, that just uh, attacked Joyce and puts himself firmly and completely in between and is gonna try to take a swing at him. That's a 19 that definitely hits and that's a D8 damage. Six, yeah, so I mean, he just completely runs up and runs this guard through, completely through the belly. Um, and he is out. Uh, there is one lonely guard left. Uh, let's see, all of the party members have acted at this point in this round. Um, except, so the uh, NPCs have not, though. So the, each of them are going to continue to surround this guy and just try to chop him down. So each of them is going to take a swing. 14 or higher. That's a miss. Uh, a 20. So we'll do, uh, that's a, a d6 damage plus one. Okay, so that is four total damage. So he has just one measly health point left. And then uh, Corbin, lastly, is going to try to take a stab. 15, that is a hit. Uh, it wouldn't matter what he rolls, but either way, rolls a one, just enough. Uh, and so they managed to kill the last guard. Taking, or Joyous, really taking taking the, the majority of the damage there. Um, there's a, a little bit a little bit of damage that I will record now on these NPCs as they have some sort of um, health to keep track of now. So Shale has six out of six. Uh, Forrest has three out of six. And Corbin has four out of six points. Well, they, they managed to defeat the guards and they, they just continue running um, in, in this relatively quick fight as, as each of these rounds is, is, is really short. Um, so they, they continue sprinting and make it to the desert. Uh, just, you know, uh, being pretty lucky. It, it does help to have the safety in numbers, which is what the party didn't have the first time. And it also helps they could have fled. They weren't in a narrow hallway. Uh, but Joyce has learned a lesson that she is still uh, she is still not able to take a, a ton of physical damage. Um, she's going to need to rely on her spells, which she really really didn't use much before. She's going to have to rely on them now. The party flees off into the night into the desert. And I think that's where we're going to leave this session. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Let me know what you think about Mune. What do you think about uh, being back in the basic fantasy set? And, and we'll see how well, it, uh, how well it reskins for these different genres. Uh, again, feel free to call in on the Anchor app. Uh, suggesting any oracles or, or game systems you want. Um, you know, things about the podcast you like, things that you don't like. You know, I can take feedback as well, um, but it would be great to hear from you. So you can always check it out on uh, Subclass Act on Anchor. If you're not listening there, you can send a message that way. Uh, and you can also email me with my uh, email being in the description. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on Subclass Act.